The New Orleans Saints shake up their coaching staff, but Dennis Allen is still in town. Could a Gruden be headed to the Big Easy? We'll get into that, plus the best fit for Bill Belichick. And will Chicago go with a quarterback at number one overall? You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi again, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Locked On NFL. He is Lauren Cox in for Chris Carter. I'm James Rapine, and this is your Wednesday edition. Thank you so much for making us your first listen here on Locked On NFL, your team and your league every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code Locked On to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And Lauren, we got some news on Tuesday afternoon as we record this show. The Saints, they're shaking up their offensive staff, including offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael out. And your instant reaction had to do with who could be coming in alongside Dennis Allen, who remains as head coach. I think it's a, a really interesting scenario here involving John Gruden in the Big Easy. And really interesting timing here, too, that you know this firing happens on the, the morning of Tuesday, January 16th. The Saints season ended a couple of weeks ago, and you've seen pretty much every team that you know is going to make coaching staff changes that weren't in the playoffs make those coaching staff changes right after the season, right? It's kind of like, okay, you take a day or two maybe to do exit interviews and talk to guys and maybe mull a few things over, but usually it's not like a week or two to make a decision like this. So the timing is just interesting when we're only about a week removed from the report. I think it came from NOLA.com that, you know, the Saints were interested or considering Gruden as a potential addition to their coaching staff. A week later, lo and behold, that offensive coordinator position is open as well as I think receivers coach and a couple of other assistants there. I would imagine if John Gruden was going to come to the New Orleans Saints, he wouldn't just come in as, you know, assistant quarterbacks coach that he would want to come in and be something prominent, not have to build his way up from position coach. So seems like a nice, clear channel for Gruden to come in, but an interesting decision for both on and off field reasons with John Gruden. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot there. And let's start with the decision. And I think a lot of franchises do this. They they keep Dennis Allen, but they're completely overhauling the offensive staff, the main guy, the main coaches on that staff. I, I think it's going to be hard for him to retain that job and get a second contract. And it's really hard in the NFL. It's hard to get a, a head coaching job. It's that much harder to get a second contract. And that's what Dennis Allen is trying to do with the Saints. And so I I get it from his standpoint, do what you got to do to try to survive. But from a state, a Saints standpoint, where's the path for this to work? It, and just throw Gruden out of it. it. It's not like you're completely overhauling a quarterback room again. I think you're going to have the quarterback that you have. And maybe you could make the argument, oh, well, Derek Carr really gets along with John Gruden and that can work. And we saw glimpses of it in Las Vegas. And I guess you could make that case. But I just, th- this doesn't feel like, like, what's the best case scenario? 10 and 7? And is it worth it? Is it worth to to kick the can down the road? And is it worth hiring John Gruden for a bunch of reasons? By the way, if I'm Dennis Allen and I see Gruden in the building, head coach in waiting like that's I know you can't necessarily think about that when you're 
struggling to keep her job, but that would be in the back of my mind. I can't help but wonder if if Dennis Allen looks at it and says, like, listen, the Saints have had a lot of these types of off-field scandals. I know there's, there's been sort of that uh, situation with the Catholic Church and the ownership of the Saints trying to work, help, help with sort of covering up or dealing with the aftermath from some other really serious off-the-field issues. And I wonder if Dennis Allen looks at it and says, listen, like, can this franchise hire John Gruden as a head coach? Right, you know, after one year as offensive coordinator, like let's say they hire him as an offensive coordinator this season, and that things go south, and Dennis Allen gets fired, is that enough of a of a like a retribution tour for for John Gruden to you know earn forgiveness for his sins of of like direct and overt racism in emails to go from okay, well he did one year as an offensive coordinator now, oh no worries, you're fine to be back as a head coach, no problem. I know like. Wasn't he suing the NFL about some of the leaks involved with that process? Like, it's one thing to be suing the NFL and be a coordinator like Brian Flores. It's another thing to be suing the NFL and to get a head coaching job and be, you know, directly hired by ownership there that also, I think, doesn't necessarily want to deal with some of the off-the-field drama there. Like, to me, maybe it's safe enough that you say, okay, he could be an offensive coordinator but not going to get the head coach job right away because of because of the toxicity that still exists around him. But we'll deal with some of the adversity there with him being hidden a little bit as the offensive coordinator, but he can still sort of start his redemption tour there and and try and put something together. I mean, I, I can see where Dennis Allen sees it as like a, a safe way of introducing a, an experienced coach who's, by the way, worked with Derek Carr very successfully, and then also maybe not be so threatened that he's going to take your job because he just feels a little bit too poisonous to take your job after one year. Sure, and that's the the other element of this where, yeah, maybe it's, it's similar to to me, and we'll talk about Bill Belichick coming up. Like, I know Bill Belichick's going to get the offensive coordinator right now because Josh McDaniels should be his offensive coordinator. And Josh McDaniels is a heck of an offensive coordinator. Like, he, we know he's that. I don't want him to be the head coach. The only time he should be in the head coach's office is when he's talking to Bill. But <laughs> you never have to – you'll never have to hire him to be head coach because he's. We, we've been there, done that now in two different teams. It didn't work. There's a 30 left at the altar, which whether that was right or wrong doesn't matter. The fact is, I, I think that, that that works out. So maybe he does view it that way. And maybe this could work. And maybe the Derek Carr aspect of things, he can channel what he did in 2021, where he was really good. Derek Carr was good for the Raiders in 21. The past couple of years, I think he's regressed some. He showed flashes this year. You could talk about the Saints' weapons, too, outside of Chris Olave. We'll see. But I, I think it's really interesting that they decided to hold on to Dennis Allen. I'm sure there are Saints fans that wouldn't have went that route, and yet the Saints hanging on, still searching in the post-Sean Payton, Drew Brees era to get it right. And we'll see if they can do that. Maybe with John Gruden? Oh, man. It's going to be interesting to follow, no doubt. It's interesting. I mean, we kind of glance over, gloss over the the firing of Pete Carmichael in all of this. I mean, he, he's yeah. the longest tenured offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's, he's had that job since I think I saw 2009. Like it's, it's, it's insane how long he's been. It, it's insane how long he's been the, the offensive coordinator for that team. And like this past season, sure. The saints offense was not great, but they finished ninth in points and 14th in yards. I know the running game was particularly bad, but in most passing categories, they were at least upper half of the NFL, if not borderline top 10, statistically which again is not the perfect measurement of how good an offense is but it, it's better than other teams that haven't fired their offensive coordinator like it feels a little bit me a little bit to me like kind of a scapegoaty type thing it's like okay well we're not going to fire Dennis Allen because we don't want to do that as an organization but we got to change something 
let's change the offensive coach to get a fresh mind in there when maybe he wasn't a perfect offensive coordinator, but I wouldn't rank him at the bottom of the offensive coordinator list either because you were just already talking about some of the other questions about the weapons and other things going on in New Orleans that aren't necessarily the coordinator's full fault. Like I get one to make a change, but then making that change a week and a half later, I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of kind of weirdness around this. A lot of weirdness around this up next. We'll stick in the NFC South seeing Bill Belichick in Atlanta. Well, that would be weird. What's the likelihood of it happening? We'll discuss if it's the best fit for Bill Belichick as well coming up next. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest. And big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. And it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might be thinking about the same thing this week. So whether it's you worrying about work and, and how you're going to make things work during busy season, if you're in the office, or maybe you're like me and things have slowed down a little bit with the team you cover out of the, the playoff race. You're like Lauren as well in that scenario. And you're trying to make sure you get everything that you want to get done this off season. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. This episode of Locked On NFL is also brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports because Prize Picks puts you in complete control. Unlike other daily fantasy platforms where you're setting your lineup and hoping that your lineup can be better than a thousand other lineups you're competing against head to head and only that first place winner out of a thousand really ends up getting anything with Prize Picks, it's you versus the projections available. So you pick two to six players and whether they perform better or worse than their prize picks projection. And if you get your picks right, you can win up to 25 times your money. It really makes these playoff games that much more fun when you're trying to keep track of, okay, how many passing yards does CJ Stroud have? Or how many rushing yards does Lamar Jackson have? And you get those picks right, you're winning some money on top of it. It's really a lot of fun. And I highly recommend you try it for yourself. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's an extra 100 bucks to play with at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Promo code locked on NFL. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's keep things rolling here with Bill Belichick. He interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons head coaching job. His first interview since parting ways with the New England Patriots after more than two decades, six Super Bowl rings. We know his resume. I, I think it, let's start here, Lord. How, how do you think that interview goes when he meets with Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons? Obviously, you have the 28 to 3, and you see all those jokes on, on social media. But to me, I wish that this could be like a, a head coaching interview version of Hard Knocks. And this is the one that I would want to see out of all these guys, Bill Belichick being interviewed by different teams. Yeah. If I'm Bill Belichick, doesn't it feel more like, I'm interviewing you as why should I come to the Atlanta Falcons, right? Not so much like yeah. why, why like you interviewing me to say, why do I think I should be your head coach? No, 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 no. Why should I, Bill Belichick, 
choose you and I could choose, you know, the chargers or the Raiders or the commanders or whatever teams, you know, uh, could also be in his services. Like I, I would think, I would think it's, it's not so much a purely one directional pitch though, that it's sort of a back and forth of like, certainly, you know, Arthur blank wants to hear what bill Belichick's plans would be and what he might envision. But at the same time, Arthur blank might also have to sell bill Belichick a little bit on why Atlanta is the place for him. I mean, he's, he's at the stage of his career where he could look around interview for a few of these jobs and say, you know what? Never mind. I'll either take this year off or just straight up retire. Like eh, these opportunities d- didn't quite do it for me. So he's got to be sold on this process too. And at the same time, you know, Falcons got to do their due diligence and make sure that, Hey, Bill, what, what happened in new England? Why, why did things get so bad? How do we know for sure that, you know, you're not going to lead to that same thing happening here. And I imagine there's a lot of talk about power and roster control and Bill Belichick being the GM in, in new England and there being a GM in Atlanta and what that, conversation might look like over roster control that ultimately again is part of him interviewing the Falcons as far as do I want to go here or would another team offer me a better situation or better control or better roster or however he might think sure I think that's it's such a big element to this does he want control I'm sure he wants some but does he also have the self-awareness and I hope so where he can look at those draft classes (laughs) in New England and be like ah maybe I, I shouldn't have complete control here and it would be good to get a second set of eyes and, and get a GM in here. But that doesn't mean that you can't still have some control even with a GM. And I, I think that's the interesting part in part of the him interviewing these teams, because I assume he'll take more than one interview. Maybe by the time you're hearing this, there's more news about Belichick. If I had to sell him, if I'm Arthur Blank, I would say NFC South is a weak division. We have some good young pieces on offense. We've got some good pieces right now, ready-made star safety. And Jesse Bates, a pretty solid secondary, decent. Uh, it's just a really good defensive lineman, depending on who you who you're talking about in that room. And sell him on that on on a young roster that he can help mold. That needs a little more discipline, needs a little more firepower, and needs a quarterback. And I think that's what it'll, it'll come down to. If the Falcons have a plan to get a high end quarterback, whether it's a rookie, whether it's a veteran, which I think is harder to do right now. There's not many out there then Belichick could probably look at it and say, hey, I can. the, the Falcons can be my Buccaneers. It, it, the same way Brady went there. And people were like, ah, Tampa Bay? And then real quick, you're like, oh, Tampa Bay. Like you saw the vision come together quickly. I think the Falcons are, are sort of sneaky that way, but they would need to make some moves. And I, I think it does start with the, the quarterback spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I talked about this a little bit last week when it comes to like head coaching landing spots like you know because the last thing you said was you you know you need yeah you need this this this, but you need a quarterback and that's like such a big part of this equation especially given how the post Tom Brady quarterbacks played out for Bill in New England like yeah that's that's the big ultimate x factor here because obviously the best head coaching situation with as far as quarterbacks go right now would be the Los Angeles Chargers we'll see if Bill interviews there or if that just ends up being Jim Harbaugh's destination but I mean if if I'm Bill Belichick the guarantee of Justin Herbert seems to me to be the the best the best quarterback fit for me and feel like okay I can build everything else just get me that next great quarterback and I, and that's built in there in in Los Angeles and then you know if I if okay that's not an option to me then at least Washington has the number two overall pick and a lot of draft capital to go get a potential quarterback but Atlanta is sitting there with the eighth overall pick and they don't really have any other extra draft picks this season to be able to maneuver up and around the draft I mean they obviously they could. They could leverage a bunch of future picks or whatever and go all in, but they don't have a lot of extra draft capital there. 
or I guess they could look at free agency and say Kirk Cousins, I guess, or I mean, there's a chance Baker Mayfield hits the market there, but it, it is limited. Or I mean, there's the Justin Fields trade rumors that have always been lingering with the Atlanta Falcons there. Like that's, they've got some options, but it's, it's a tough one for Bill. Like you can have Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson and love your weapons. But at the end of the day, like can Josh McDaniels or whoever his offensive coordinator become or Bill, Bill O'Brien or whoever, like, can they make that work if you're rolling with a Taylor Heineke type situation again, or that kind of equivalent, or do you, you know, take the third or fourth or fifth favorite rookie quarterback and try and develop. Like, does Bill want to develop a quarterback, or does he just say, "Listen, I'm I'm on the towards the end of my career anyway. Let's get a Kirk Cousins. Let's try and go do this right now and kind of go all in on on winning in the next three to five years, as opposed to really kind of developing this out long game." Well, he calls Tom Brady. Is what he does. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I couldn't get through it. I even though Dome. No, I I actually, it's a good point. And we are going to talk about the Bears coming up. The Justin Fields evaluation from a few years ago. He didn't make it to the Patriots. I wonder if the Patriots would have taken him over Mac Jones had he made it to the Patriots. I love the idea of getting just this super talented quarterback that can make the throws, is capable of that, has the physical ability to run all over at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Like There's a lot to like about that from an athleticism standpoint. So how would he feel about that? I, that it, because that might be the pitch. Hey, we have the eighth pick. We can get Michael Penix. We can get one of these other quarterbacks that'll be there that, that maybe you'll like, or we can trade for Justin Fields. And I know there was speculation this week nationally about, oh, the eighth pick. You could get Justin Fields without giving up the eighth pick. Eighth pick. So get a stud with the eighth pick, which you'll be able to do, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's, heck, there will be a, a really good defensive tackle or two available. Uh, there'll certainly be a wide receiver there, a weapon there for you to take and get Justin Fields along with that. I, I think that that could be the play if Belichick is in and then you're off and running. So I, I think there are ways to do it. And that's the key for any team, I think, that's interviewing Bill Belichick and vice versa. How do you how do you make the team a legitimate contender right away? And I think some would argue that they wouldn't be a contender right away with Justin Fields, but maybe that's the guy that they've identified as a guy that could put them over the top. Maybe it's a hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get released by the Raiders. Let's bring him in. There's familiarity there. He can help groom a young guy. I don't know, but I, I do think that that's the key to landing Belichick. It does depend on how you define contender, right? I mean, they were not that far from the playoffs this year on a team that you felt like maybe was underachieving based on the talent that they had or, or not getting as much out of the talent that they had. So if you take team that was a few games out of winning the division this year and add a coach that can squeeze more out of the talent that they do have, plus an upgrade at the quarterback position in some way, shape or form, whether, whether it's Jimmy G and a rookie or whatever you think, like that's a team that could easily next year with Belichick and with some kind of quarterback change be a above 500 pushing for a wild card spot and, or maybe weak divisional victory type win. So yeah, I do think it's a, it's an easier, it's an easier solve in that way to build Belichick than a team like the chargers who say, man, we still got to get past the chiefs here or a team like the commanders that I know like the Cowboys and Eagles just absolutely blew it in the playoffs, but still have a long way to go in that division as well. Up next, let's discuss Justin Fields future and not just his future in Chicago, but the bears, they have the first pick. What should they do with the first pick? Heck, maybe they could trade down to number eight and Bill Belichick could get his quarterback. Look at me, just already putting 
Belichick in the ATL. Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons, not a fan of that idea. But we will get to the Chicago Bears coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Jay's Case. And I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of life. But let's talk, at least for a minute right now, about preparing for real life. Because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That means that, well, can't imagine this, but it could happen where you need these medications and you can't get them because of supply chain issues and they keep you or your family from life-saving medication that they need. Thankfully, you'll be okay. We'll be okay with Jay's case. The Jay's case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including respiratory infections, skin infections, among others, things that can happen to anyone. All you have to do is visit jacemedical.com, complete a physician encounter, and it's going to be review, reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important than to be prepared than right now today. So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, that's jacemedical.com, offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. All right, Lauren, let's get to the team you cover, the Chicago Bears. What are they going to do? They're, they keep their head coach. They're interviewing offensive coordinators right now because they could they would have been a, a weird destination for some of these coaches out there. It feels like a really good crop of head coaching candidates, but Matt Eberflus is still in Chicago. Let's start there. Are you surprised that they're going this route? And do you think they made the right decision? As is most of the time of recent Chicago Bears history, not surprised, but disappointed is like how you can always kind of define this team. They don't like to rock the boat whenever they can avoid it. Like if things had, if they hadn't had the second half of the season turnaround that they did, I think they'd, they would have made a, a more drastic coaching change, but they did well enough over the final eight games of the season for the team to say, all right, let's keep this rolling and see if they can turn things around. So uh, not, not surprised there, but as you said, because it was, such a good crop of head coaches, I would have gone with the change and had the opportunity to go after a Harbaugh or a Belichick or, and we'll still see what comes out of Dallas and Philadelphia, but a lot of different uh, big name coaches that could be out there that could have represented upgrades for this team. But instead they make the offensive coordinator change, not too dissimilar to what we just talked about with the New Orleans saints, where it's like, all right, keep the head coach, change the offense, see if that fixes anything in a year. And maybe we're doing this whole conversation over again next off season. Breaking, Lauren Cox says he wants Mike McCarthy in Chicago as head coach. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You see how I twisted your words there? I All right, so they keep Matt Eberflus. It's going to be there. We'll see on the OC. What are the odds Justin Fields gets traded and they do go with a quarterback? I think it's early to say Caleb Williams, even though it feels like it's going to be him, but a quarterback with that first overall pick. Yeah, this this was something that to me felt like a fairly inevitability as this season went on. That was like, yes, Justin Fields showed improvement, but not as much improvement as they really wanted to see from him. And not and, and in that way, it's more about a consistency thing. Like we've always mm-hmm. seen Fields is able to do anything essentially, but it's how often he does the good things. And then how often at times he's done less than good things. And it felt like over the course of the season, it was not a big enough step forward in that consistency to really say, oh yeah, you for sure got to bring this guy back. And if you have the number one overall pick again, for the second season in a row, the second draft in a row, I should say, 
it's hard to pass up a number one overall pick quarterback twice in a row unless you are 100% absolutely certain that the guy that you have is the better option. But if you pass on all the quarterbacks in two straight drafts and miss out on it, you see a guy like CJ Stroud go to Houston and be great. And now you go through this draft process and see one of these quarterbacks go to some team and be great. And you could have the option to get either of those potentially great quarterbacks and you kept the guy that hasn't been great for you and he ends up not being great. That's very hard for a general manager to keep his job after a moment like that. However, I, I've come down from that just a little bit because of the way that the team is talking about this. They're definitely leaving all options open. They're not locked into any path yet, but Ryan Pulse is basically taking the same approach this offseason as he did last year. He, he said, listen, like we're going to evaluate the quarterbacks, but I need one of these rookie quarterbacks to blow me away. If I'm going to trade Justin Fields and draft that quarterback, that rookie quarterback needs to blow me away. He said the same thing last offseason, and evidently Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, didn't blow him away. So then it's a question of does Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, et cetera, blow him away? Or to look at them again and say, yeah, good, maybe, maybe good quarterbacks, but I'm not blowing away. So I'm going to keep the guy that I have here that I feel like can still blow me away sometimes. And I, I I'm less certain that it's going to be a rookie quarterback for sure with the number one overall pick, but I do still think that's the most likely outcome. Yeah. I, I think a couple of things, the first of which, as of today, if I'm the Bears, I'm taking a quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean the Patriots, with their new head coach and their new regime, can't entice me to move down a couple of spots. But I would make it very clear at the combine, oh, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And I would have reports. But I would also tell Justin, hey, let's see here. We don't know that for sure. And in that way, who knows? Maybe, maybe a team comes up and says, hey, what if the Patriots offered you the third pick plus another one, plus another one in a player or something where you're, you're still getting a quarterback if you want one, or you're getting the elite wide receiver prospect in this draft, the top guy in Harrison, plus you have a, another top pick, plus you have uh, multiple other ones. In the, like there's, there is an offer that can be met, and there always is. Uh, I, I cover the Bengals for, for those that don't know, and Prior to the 2020 draft, there were rumblings about the Miami Dolphins wanting to trade up, and they did want to trade up. And obviously, they ended up with two of the Bengals ended up with Burrow. The Bengals get the better end of that deal, but they wanted Burrow. And I said, why well, would open? I, I would listen to the phone, even with Burrow. And and I don't think there's a Burrow in this class where it's just this easy consensus number one, but it it could be close with Caleb Williams, but he's just not as accomplished, of course. And looking at it, I was like, well. That doesn't mean just the three ones that Miami has this year. It needs to be crazy, like generational. And why? Well, because you could have still gotten Justin Herbert and still had three or four other ones plus this, plus it would have to be a crazy offer. So if I'm the Bears, I would not shut down the idea of that because you might get that offer. There might be a team that is that desperate. The Falcons may say, hey, we're, we're going to get Bill Belichick, Caleb Williams. Bill, let's go. and. I don't think that's realistic, but you can't completely close the door on that scenario. And that's why I would be open to it if I'm the Bears. And on on the reverse side of that, you never know what a team might be willing to offer for Justin Fields, right? Like even if you're the Bears sitting there saying, no, we really do want to keep Fields and just keep building around him. Like if a team like Atlanta calls and I like I know you you kind of hinted that it was it was Mel Kuyper of ESPN who kind of said yeah the Bears could maybe get the eighth overall pick from the Falcons if they traded Justin Fields I don't think that's a realistic uh, return for Fields but 
you know, we saw a handful of years ago, Sam Bradford go for a first and a fourth. Like if a team is desperate mm-hmm. for a quarterback and really wants that quarterback, they will overpay for them. And I, again, I don't think the bears are going to get that, but if, if a team really gives you the kind of offer you can't refuse on fields, that changes the math as opposed to if you, if you go out there and get feelers on the Justin Fields trade and it's, it's not much, well then, okay, are we in, are we in a hurry to trade him at that point? Like, do we have some flexibility there as an organization to kind of let this thing play out? Like to me, I don't think it should be a, a dichotomy of black and white, like either draft a quarterback or keep fields. Like I think you could in theory, keep Justin Fields and draft a quarterback, maybe not with the number one overall pick, but like you said, could you trade down from one say, and eh, we're not in love with Caleb Williams, but at, at a lower pick number, wherever that ends up being the three or six or seven or eight land Jaden Daniels, or if Drake may falls, or if you like Michael Penix or Bo Nix and feel like, okay, we got a rookie quarterback that we like and fields can still start year one for that rookie quarterback, try and develop him on the bench for a little while, maybe a Mahomes, Alex Smith type situation, and then yep. move on from there and manage what would obviously be a locker room controversy and, and a whole uproar in Chicago. But like, to me, the goal is to get Chicago, the best quarterback it can possibly have. And I'd rather have two shots at that with fields and a rookie, as opposed to going just fields or just a rookie. Give me two lottery tickets, at quarterback. Oh, Oh, all right, so Bo Nix it is. <laughs> he might be there in round two. Yeah, people said J.J. McCarthy, too, and I'm just like, maybe not. Maybe no. a little higher not, than that. Not in Chicago. No, he's too small. Yeah. I on, Like, I'm not trying to be – like, I think he works – like, you could sell me – and he's fast, by the way. Like, you could sell me on him not as fast as Fields. Fields is a freak. But you could sell me in, on him in, in certain areas. Like, windy, cold Chicago. Like, I do want a little size. I'm not saying you got to be six, five pocket passer, but like Justin Fields makes sense in Chicago on paper because he is strong. He is, he, he does have the, the athleticism and strength and all of those things. Like I, I, I wouldn't want, Oh, I don't know. Right. Name, name a small quarterback that you, you know, I Kyler Murray's got the arm strength, so I wouldn't worry about him, but Bryce Young. there are guys that just don't have it. Correct. Wouldn't want Bryce easy decision last year. I don't think anyone questioned it last year, this year, it will certainly be a big talking point. If you want more on the Bears, make sure you check out Lauren Cox on Locked On Bears. More on the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Well, I got you covered on Locked On Bengals. So for Lauren Cox, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening and watching Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL.